Surprisingly, we'll turn again to Deuteronomy and we'll turn to chapter 12. Something quite interesting I just received yesterday, I think it was. There's a, a girl who, well, I don't know what age she is, but there's a Jewish woman or girl who contacts me and sends me emails quite frequently and I just noticed on her email yesterday I think it was that the year the Jewish year is 5768 the Jewish calendar is 5768 years since year one which started in Exodus and they have been remembering God every Sabbath day since then. Quite remarkable, isn't it? And she asked the question, why is this day so obviously sacred to God, to their Lord? Or Hashem is a word they use for God, for Lord. And she gave the answer, and she says, first of all, it is the, and this is keeping the Sabbath, first of all, it is the eternal sign of his covenant with his people, the children of Israel. As such, our observance of it each week renews our devotion and commitment to his covenant with us, a renewal that honors him. And she referred to Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 12 and I'll just read it out moreover God says I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them God speaking about the Sabbaths she goes on to say our observance of Sabbath or Shabbat contributes heavily toward our every growing need to preserve our unique identity in the face of a hostile world. It is a statement we make every week that our land and ourselves belong to the Holy One of Israel, a truth for which we are sublimely and continually grateful. Shabbat is the greatest day of the week and its observance is a gift of inestimable value. And I was thinking, how many of us regard meeting together around the word of God in that, in that language? Do we realize it's a wonderful privilege for us to meet together around the word of God? You know, many in the world don't have that uh, ability to, to meet around the world, the word of God and it's a statement she says that we make that we belong to the Holy One of Israel a truth for which we are sublimely and continually grateful we have been saved by grace through the Lord Jesus Christ we belong to God we are bought with a price, we're told. The price that the Lord Jesus Christ paid at Calvary. And that's a truth for which we should be sublimely and continually grateful. 
just those thoughts I thought and they've been doing it for 5,768 years incredible right we'll turn over to Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 12 I want to read just a few verses from this chapter very hard to know what to, to read sometimes when we go to, to, to speak but we've read bits of this chapter every week now for a few weeks so we start by reading from verse 13 take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest but in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes there thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings and there thou shalt do all that I command thee notwithstanding thou mayest kill and eat in all thy gates whatsoever thy soul lusted after according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he hath given thee the unclean and the clean may eat thereof as of the roebuck and as of the heart only ye shall not eat the blood ye shall pour it out upon the earth as water then we go to verse 20 when the Lord thy God shall enlarge thy border as he hath promised thee and thou shalt say I will eat flesh because my soul longeth to eat flesh thou mayest eat flesh whatsoever thy soul lusteth after if the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to put his name there be too far from thee thou shalt kill of thy herd and of thy flock which the Lord hath given thee as I have commanded thee and thou shalt eat in thy gates whatsoever thy soul lusted after even as the roebuck and the heart is eaten so thou shalt eat them the unclean and the clean shall eat of them alike only be sure that thou eat not the blood for the blood is the life and thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh thou shalt not eat it thou shalt pour it out upon the earth as water thou shalt not eat it that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord only thy holy things which thou hast on thy bows thou shalt take and go unto the place which the Lord shall choose and thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings the flesh and the blood upon the altar of the Lord thy God and the blood of thy sacrifices shall be poured out upon the altar of the Lord thy God and thou shalt eat the flesh observe and hear all these words which I command thee that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee when thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord now just briefly what's that saying they can eat what they like at home but the blood has to be just drained off they're not to eat the blood they're to let it run out on the ground not to eat the blood but when they make a sacrifice to the Lord they have to bring that to the place where God has chosen to be and there they are to sacrifice and the blood of the beast is poured out 
on the altar with the sacrifice. So basically that is this. You know, we spent a considerable time on this particular chapter. We just don't seem to be able to get away from it. There are still some important points which I believe God would have us learn uh, and to study and to apply of these instructions which God was giving Moses. You know, as we read these verses, we're inclined to say, and we've said it before, that Moses keeps saying the same thing over in a different way. Well, perhaps he does. But as we have also said before on a few occasions, if God repeats something over again, there must be a good reason for it. He just doesn't put it in to fill up the book of Deuteronomy. There's a reason for it. The burnt offerings, the sacrifices to God under the law, were to be made at the place where God would choose, in a manner which God would choose and incidentally, at times, that God would choose on occasions. All approaches to God were in a manner that God would choose. Nothing of man's ideas came into the reckoning. It was all what God had chosen, what God said. You know, some time ago when Moses was giving instructions and receiving instructions as to how to build the tabernacle we did this quite a few years ago but one of the things that kept cropping up again and again as we looked at Moses building the tabernacle it was the fact that Moses did again and again all that the Lord had commanded and Moses did as the Lord commanded or as the Lord commanded Moses And we read in Exodus 39 when Moses finished the work which was all finished in the way that God had commanded. What happened? What happened? Here's what happened. The tabernacle was set up. It was finished. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation. A cloud And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord was so awesome that Moses couldn't enter it. Why? Because everything had been done the way God wanted and he was showing his pleasure at the building of the tabernacle you know so with you and me we wonder why we do not see blessing and success in churches and things it is because we do things our way and then we trust that God will fit in with our plans we twist it all around how utterly foolish we can be you know in these verses God sets out some very important points some very salient points first thing sacrifices were to be made in the place 
where he would choose. Secondly, the blood of the sacrifices was to be offered. Verse 27. The blood of thy sacrifices shall be poured out upon the altar of the Lord thy God. If he ate at home, the blood was to be allowed to drain away into the earth. But when you brought your sacrifice to God, the blood of the sacrifice was to be poured out upon the altar of the Lord thy God. And the third thing that I thought was important, they could eat and kill animals at home within their gates. But the blood from such animals, verse 12 it says, only ye shall not eat the blood. Ye shall pour it out upon the earth as water. Then in verse 23 it says it again, be sure that thou eat not the blood. Why? For the blood is the life, and thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. And as we saw, when Moses completed the tabernacle and God was pleased, God then here gives the assurance that God would be with them if they obeyed him. In verse 28, observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may go well with thee, and with thy children after thee forever. When thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord thy God. They had that wonderful promise, that wonderful assurance from God. It seems, it all seems when you read it, pretty simple and easy to understand. But when man sees something simple in scripture, somehow it is not enough to take God at his word. Man must put something of himself into the equation. Man makes the word of God complicated. It's strange. We're here to remember the Lord Jesus Christ in his death. To remember him in the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine. You know, there's a little hymn we used to sing, Only bread and only wine, yet to faith, the solemn sign of the heavenly and divine, we give thee thanks, O Lord. Only bread and only wine. God says, do not eat blood. Do not eat blood. But you know, man says that at the Mass... The bread turns into the real presence of Jesus and his body. The the wine becomes his blood. God says, do not eat blood. Man says, the wine turns into the blood of Jesus. And then he drinks it in direct defiance of the word of God. In actual fact, you know, the Roman Catholic Church goes much further than this. I looked at a a site they have, catholic.net, and the article says, Do we receive 
They say they receive when they drink the wine and the bread that they receive the body of Christ. And here's a question he asks. Do we receive Christ's head and arms and feet? Many today would be uncomfortable with an affirmative answer which would savour to them of a grossly materialistic view of the real presence. That's what they talk about in the Mass, the real presence. Yet it is the right answer. He says, suppose we didn't receive those parts, then the same would be said of all the other parts of his body. So there'd be nothing left. We would not be receiving his body. As the Catechism of the Council of Trent says in this sacrament are contained all the constituents of a true body, such as bones and sinews. Isn't that incredible? The Roman Catholic Church teaches, and this is him still speaking, that the bread is changed into Christ's body and the wine into his blood and that his soul and divinity become present through concomitance it is one indivisible being he is one indivisible being so when the bread is changed into his body the whole Christ necessarily becomes present you see the Roman Catholic Church says that the wine becomes the real person of the son of God then the priest performs a sacrifice and eats that person which he has declared to be the son of God it's just unbelievable something simple man has turned into something grotesque but when God chooses how we worship we must go by the word of God let's move on in Acts chapter 15 29 the converted Gentiles were told to abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication for which if ye keep yourselves you shall do well. Oh, they, 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 there were some people who were trying to put a lot of burden on the Gentiles who had become Christians. And so the, the apostles met and they decided that the things that the Gentiles had to keep away from was things offered to idols, fornication, things strangled, and from blood, from eating blood. So the, the principle in the Old Testament here in Deuteronomy was being continued on in the New Testament in Acts you know why was it so important for the Jews as we see here in Deuteronomy 12 and for the Gentiles as is shown in Acts 15 why was it so important for them to abstain from blood as a matter of fact you know at home we would never eat black pudding. Why? Because it was made from blood. Wouldn't have it in the house. And that was the reason. Because it was made from blood. 
Now, to get the answer to this, why is it so important? Why did they not eat blood? Why? We turn to Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus 17. I'm going to read a few verses here from Leviticus 17 and see if we can get find out the answer as to why it was so important not to eat blood. I'm going to read a few verses and read them through quickly. Leviticus 17. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons and all, unto all the children of Israel and say unto them, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. God was commanding here again. What man soever there be of the house of Israel that killeth an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp or that killeth it out of the camp and bringeth it not unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation to offer an offering unto the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord blood shall be imputed unto that man he hath shed blood and that man shall be cut off from among his people. Oh, if somebody, they're talking about him offering a sacrifice, not bringing it right into the house of God. That man, if he does that, he is to be cut off from amongst people. To the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices which they offer in the open field, even that they may bring them unto the Lord, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, unto the priest, and offer them for peace offerings unto the Lord. And the priest shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and burn the fat for a sweet savour unto the Lord. And they shall no more offer their sacrifice unto devils. Get that? Unto devils. After whom they have gone a-whoring. This shall be a statute forever unto them throughout their generations. And thou shalt say unto them, Whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers which sojourn among you that offereth a burnt offering or sacrifice and bringeth it not to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation to offer it unto the Lord, even that man shall be cut off from among his people. Very serious. If they offered a sacrifice and didn't bring it to God, do it the way he said, they were to be cut off from his people. And whatsoever man there shall be of the house of the, or of the strangers that sojourn among you that eateth my, any manner of blood I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood and will cut him off from among his people for the life of the flesh is in the blood the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar I have given it to you upon the altar note that to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood. Neither any stranger that sojourneth among you shall eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you that hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust and we'd stop there we could go on but that's an, an, enough for, for uh, our purpose this morning verse 14 it's the last verse I should have read that for it is the life of all flesh 
the blood of it is for the life thereof therefore I said unto the children of Israel ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh for the flesh of all flesh is the blood thereof whosoever eateth it shall be cut off very serious this was they were to be cut off out of the children of Israel look what it says ye shall eat the blood of no flesh manner of flesh for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof there are two important lessons that Israel had to learn here in this chapter in Leviticus 17 the first one was that life belongs to God life belongs to God and the second was that the power within the atonement as we see in verse 14 is in the blood that was so important when the sacrifice was made it was the blood of the animal that was responsible for the atonement in God's eyes two major rules from God to Moses and they were to be seriously stressed to the whole congregation it wasn't just to Aaron or Moses it was to the whole congregation I had to get into their mind life belongs to God anyone offering a sacrifice other than as directed here was in, and in God's sight offering a sacrifice to devils after whom they had gone a whoring in other words sacrificing to Satan if they didn't do it the way God said the sacrifice was regarded by God as being sacrificed to Satan that was just how seriously God considered any attempt by man to worship him in man's own way man was in fact saying that he could sacrifice and shed blood as he chose and not as God had commanded but life belongs to God his claim must therefore be acknowledged in the place where he has appointed and this for the Israelite was before the tabernacle of the Lord he was to bring his sacrifice to the tabernacle where God had chosen the habitation of God amongst his people where God dwelt among his people look at verse 11 in that uh, it says for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul this sacrifice took place at an altar called the brazen altar which was within the tabernacle area and that was the only meeting place where God and man could meet to offer a sacrifice elsewhere was in God's eyes devil worship anyone guilty of such worship was to be cut off from Israel and these were strong words now we come to the type the typology of what this meant in the New Testament that's the way we, we look at these things in the Old Testament and we look at them in the how that applies in the New Testament the brazen altar is the antitype of the cross where Jesus died there is only one place and one way where God has appointed to meet with the sinner and that is at the cross of Jesus it is here and only here that God has offered life to a sinner 
there is a, there at the cross a sinner must recognize God's claim upon his life to reject this way to reject it and think you can come anyway is to reject the son of God to bring down and if we reject the son of God what we're doing we're bringing down the wrath of God upon oneself to deny oneself the right to life we're dead in our sins we can only receive life at the cross and if we do not accept it we're bringing down the wrath of God upon us and we're turning our back on God to follow Satan you see we often used to say we cannot be neutral we cannot be neutral as to whom we follow it is either God or Satan you've only two choices in fact you've only one choice and two results as soon as the man is presented with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the claims of God upon his life then he must choose and if we don't choose God we automatically choose Satan And then in verse 6 we read, And the priest shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and burn the fat for a sweet savour unto the Lord. The blood of the animal sacrificed was presented to God. That animal's life represented by the giving, the life-giving blood which had been given by God was being shed as a substitute for the life of the person making the sacrifice to get it this meant that death had to occur because scripture says without the shedding of blood there is no remission so something or somebody had to die and an animal died and the blood of that animal was placed on the altar instead of the, 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 the person making the sacrifice the animal was a substitution for his blood and such a sacrifice it says was well pleasing to God the Lord Jesus his blood was shed for man at Calvary a sacrifice pleasing to God and just as the great high priest offered the blood of a beast let me read that again a sacrifice which was pleasing to God and just as the priest offered the blood of a beast so we read in Hebrews 9.14 here's what it says how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God how much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God Christ's blood was shed for you and for me why did Christ have to die could not an animal have been slain in our place why did Christ have could we not have kept on offering animal sacrifices instead no 
No, we couldn't, obviously. But the reason is given in Hebrews 10. I'm going to read Hebrews 10 from verse 1. For the law being a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the commerce thereof perfect. Animal sacrifices couldn't. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. If they had worked you wouldn't have had to have sacrifices year by year by year. Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. It wasn't possible. Wherefore when he cometh into the world he said sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins thou hast had no pleasure. You see, these sacrifices were offered year by year by these people in faith. Believing that God would cleanse them of their sins. They were offered in faith. And Romans 3, 24 and 25 tells us that when Christ died... Their faith was justified. It says, Being freely justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. All those sacrifices which were made by animal sacrifice all through the Old Testament were made right through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ through his sacrifice. God is the only giver of life. Satan can only bring about death. You know right from creation from the garden uh, from the creation time God was the author of life in Genesis 2 7 it says and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul Psalm 36 and verse 9 for with thee is the fountain of life John 8 12 then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but has, shall have the light of life. In Acts 3.15 it says, They killed the prince of life. Romans 8 verse 2, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ hath made you free from the law of sin and death. John 6.33 for the bread of God is he that cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Death had passed upon all men through sin. But God sent the Lord Jesus Christ who was the giver of life into the world. God is the author of life. And the life is in the blood. And then it says the power of the atonement 
is within the blood. Leviticus 7 verse 17 and 11. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Atonement is God's gift to man. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement. How was the atonement to be made in the blood? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, no forgiveness of sins, unless blood was shed. Now you must pay attention here. It is not the blood and something else. The word is most clear. It's the blood nothing else it attributes atonement exclusively to the blood without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins, no remission it was the death of Christ that caused the veil in the temple to be rent from top to bottom it was through the shedding of his blood we have boldness to enter into the presence of God through his blood in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins Ephesians 1 7 in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins Colossians 1 14 having made peace by the blood of his cross Colossians 1 20 ye who were afar off are made nigh by the blood of his cross Ephesians 2.13 the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin 1 John 1 verse 7 Revelation 7 we read they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb Revelation 12 they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb it is all about the blood nothing added there's a wonderful hymn we used to sing what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus for my pardon this I see nothing but the blood of Jesus for my cleansing this my plea nothing but the blood of Jesus nothing can for sin atone nothing but the blood of Jesus no loss of good that I have done nothing but the blood of Jesus this is all my hope and peace nothing but the blood of Jesus this is all my righteousness nothing but the blood of Jesus now by this I'll overcome nothing but the blood of Jesus now by this I'll reach my home nothing but the blood of Jesus glory glory this I sing nothing but the blood of Jesus all my praise for this I bring nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus God places great worth on the blood of his beloved son so anything in scripture which in any way is a type of what 
that precious blood is in, the, in God's sight is, is something special to him and should be regarded as such it was the shed blood of our Lord that opened the way to God so that man may now approach a holy God through the blood of our Saviour you know the place where the Jew had to meet with God was the tabernacle and later the temple but there was a veil a big heavy curtain dividing man from God and barred man from approaching God when Christ died outside the camp on the hill of Calvary when his blood had been shed what happened? that veil was ripped asunder from top to bottom giving righteous and immediate access into the presence of God nothing more was needed nothing but the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus nothing but the blood of Jesus a new and living way has been opened up to God for all instead of having to go through the high priest we go through the Lord Jesus Christ our great high priest and we're here this morning to remember the death of our Lord in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the wine it's a wonderful hymn no blood no altar now the sacrifice is o'er no flame no smoke ascends on high the lamb is slain no more but richer blood has flowed from nobler veins to purge the soul from guilt and cleanse the reddest stains we thank thee for the blood the blood of Christ thy son the blood by which our peace is made our victory is won great victory o'er hell and sin and woe that needs no second fight and leaves no second foe we thank thee for the grace descending from above that overflows our widest guilt the eternal father's love love of the father's everlasting son love of the Holy Ghost Jehovah three in one we thank thee for the hope so glad and sure and clear it holds the drooping spirit up till the long dawn appear fair hope with what a sunshine doth it cheer our roughest path on earth our dreariest desert here we thank thee for the crown of glory and of life tis no poor withering wreath of earth man's prize in mortal strife tis incorruptible as is the throne the kingdom of our God and his incarnate son we thank thee it says for the blood the blood of Christ thy son the blood by which our peace is made our victory is won great victory o'er hell and sin and woe that needs no second fight and leaves no second before